Hey, it's Vince Murata. Join us Thursday. Newsmakers Week continues with some of the biggest names in Valley sports, including Cardinals GM Monty Fort, Josh Bartlestein from the Suns, Derek Hall from the D-backs, and Jerry Colangelo. It starts at 6 here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, I know normally, as we welcome you into the 4 o'clock hour here on the Burns and Gamble Show, normally we go into the 4 o'clock reset right now. We had to move some things around a little bit today. We thought we were going to have Thaddeus Young on right now, so we didn't prepare a 4 o'clock reset today. Um, we're going to have Thad Young instead of 4.15, so in retrospect, we should have, but that's live radio. What are you going to do? So We instead, adjust on the fly. We, 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 adjust, we adjust on the, on the fly, fly, and we're, we're... So we should do our un-newsmakers week this week, this, this segment. <laughs> that's right. Yes. If you're not a newsmaker, yes, if you're not a newsmaker give us we'll a call. On. We'll put you on. Yeah. <laughs> Tim in Queen Creek, Larry in Cave Creek, Brad in Gilbert, uh, just just give us a call. Oscar in Avondale. Tell us what you're doing yes. that does, is not making news today, uh, um, because we don't get the newsmakers on our Nope. <laughs> That's not true. We're getting Thad Young in like uh, 10 minutes. Marsha and Gilbert. Well, anybody who's not a newsmaker, we'll have you on right now, this segment. Are you having newsmaker envy? It sounds like, you, you, sounds like no. you've got a little newsmaker envy. No. No? I mean, no, no. They do a great job with it. Fantastic job. They do a great job. It's seven interviews today. Coffee and donuts and bagels and all the yeah, things. Yeah, you feel like this. Yeah, yeah, it's it's yeah, it's great. Tomorrow, it's going to Monty Austin Forge tomorrow, right? I just thought it might be fun to actually have a non-newsmakers week. <laughs> we bring on all these people that don't make any what news. What are you doing right now that what is not doing? making news? Well, you know. No, I just um, got the mail. I'm about to take the dog for a walk around the block. I'm clipping my fingernails right now. It's, uh, yeah. it's yeah, not making news. Not here. No, not at all. Got to clean the garage. <laughs> Brandon Fott was on Bickley and Murata. And um, talked about Eduardo Rodriguez, who's one of the main acquisitions, obviously. Yeah, I think he's going to bring bring a lot. You know, in the clubhouse. You can already tell that that the team chemistry is gonna it's gonna be there again, and uh, especially with him, you know, it's just an addition to that. And on the field, obviously, from from his history, you know, we know what we're getting, and and I think it's it's all positive, and we're all looking forward to to having him with us. That's for sure. It is a big deal, and it, it's a big deal that they added him, and it's a big deal that he's here. But the Diamondbacks are, stop me if you've heard this one before, the Diamondbacks seem to be having a little bit of a Dodger problem so far this offseason. Diamondbacks always seem to have themselves a little bit of a Dodger problem. Though it wasn't a problem last October when the Diamondbacks swept them. Swept them in three games, knocked Kershaw out after like a third of an inning. One of my most enjoyable memories of being a Diamondbacks fan. Yeah, I do do know that. Yeah, the Diamondbacks Um, are getting universally praised for the offseason that they've had. There was a story this morning on TheAthletic.com, spring training anonymous survey of a bunch of baseball executives, former executives, coaches, and scouts. The Diamondbacks were considered to be the second most improved team in all of the National League based off of everything they've done. The problem is the L.A. Dodgers were the most (laughs) improved team among all the teams in the National League. Right. And that's the issue the Diamondbacks are kind of. They got better, but so did they. Yeah, they, they, you know, they... The, the Dodgers had 31 votes for most improved. The card, the Diamondbacks had 20, and then third was the Cardinals. The Braves were 11. The Reds were 11. The Diamondbacks a clear number two, right? Not even close. Clearly number two. But they've been saying this story. The Diamondbacks may have been outspent in the free agent market by the Dodgers by a tidy $980 million. And you think of that like... A billion dollars. They were outspent by a billion. By a billion dollars. Billion. But everybody loves what the Diamondbacks did because they addressed major need. There weren't a lot of needs, but the Diamondbacks, like they, they had three or four holes in the boat, and they kind of, they kind of fixed them all. 
They kind of patched them all. Third base was a major, major problem last year. They got very little production out of third base. Ivan Longoria was a great veteran to have around, but he wasn't that good anymore. Um, you look at uh, you look at starting pitcher. Man, they had to go bullpen games in the playoffs because yeah, they were down a starting pitcher. Right. Twice they had to go with a bullpen game. That was a problem for them. DH. They were using a lot of their own guys. Hey, you know you're not going to play outfield today. You'll be the DH. They didn't have a steady everyday designated hitter. They addressed major areas of concern for them, and they improved their their baseball team a lot. Now. Crazy, right? Nobody's predicting they're going to win 90, 95, or 100 baseball games with these additions. But they're also not being picked as one of those teams. I saw a story today. Five teams that made the playoffs in 2023 that won't in 2024. Nobody's picking the Diamondbacks in those. Diamondbacks weren't on that list. Nobody. Nope. Nobody's looking at the Diamondbacks and, oh, there's a team that's going to take a step back this year. Nobody. No, because they, they fulfilled their promise. They, they fulfilled their obligation to the community. And by that, I mean that there is sort of this unspoken deal. Hey, you, we're going to have success. We're going to win. You're going to show up. You're going to buy tickets. We're going to reinvest. And that's kind of almost like, the, like a social contract that a sports organization has with its fans. We win. You come. We spend to win more. And the Diamondbacks fulfilled that. They did that. They 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 reinvested and, a lot of that money. And and I think that's the kind of thing to absolutely be embraced for an organization that could have not done as much as they did. I think they would have gotten ripped for it. But I think it's great that baseball is praising the Diamondbacks for what they've done because what they've done is exactly what we want all sports teams to do no matter what. Win, we show up you reinvest in the product to win some more. The Diamondbacks fulfilled that part of the social contract that they've got. Now we'll see if they how much they win. I've told you before and I, and I will I will really believe this. I know come October the Arizona Diamondbacks have a roster that's capable of competing with anybody in a best of three, a best of five, a best of seven series. We saw it last year. They're better than they were a year ago. I have no reason to doubt they could do it again. I want to know, is it possible for them to close the gap against the Dodgers during the regular season? I know it doesn't matter, but I want to, I want it to matter a little bit. I don't, I don't want to just say, well, you know, they're better, we're not, but when we meet them in the playoffs, we have a chance. I'd like to think that during the regular season, the Diamondbacks, if not compete with the Dodgers for the championship, at least not just bow down and let the Dodgers run away with it like a lot of people think that they're going to. There's something the D-backs are going to have this year that they haven't had in previous years. Confidence. Swept the Dodgers. Beat the Brewers. Beat the Phillies. Like, hey, you know what? I mean, you know, that nice little underdog story, it's gone. That nice little, oh my goodness, the Diamondbacks are in the World Series. What a... That's gone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, who is a mad dog Russo and other people that were kind of, you know, criticizing the diamond. Nobody believes that anymore. And they're not going to come in. Everybody's going to be gunning from now. That's another thing. Nobody's going to take them lightly. No, because, you know, you're playing a defending National League champions when you play the Arizona Diamonds. They're going to hang a pennant this year. They're going to hang one They're going to hang a banner. 
So I think that's a you know a big thing that you got to factor in for them. Yeah, um, Diamondbacks were the second most improved team according to the informal survey. Best free agent signing: Eduardo Rodriguez did not make the top five, but he was the next guy who got some votes. The, the Dodgers had what the first seven, <laughs> the first two: Shohei Otani and Yoshinobu Yamamoto, uh, were both leading the way. Sonny Gray got some votes. Aaron Nola got some votes. Josh Hader got some votes, and then Eduardo Rodriguez was. Was next. A lot of people think that the shrewdest move of the offseason for a National League team that wasn't that wasn't like Shohei Otani was Craig Council going to the Chicago Cubs. One unnamed executive yeah, here yeah. called that the shrewdest move of the offseason. That he might be the difference in five games this year for them, five wins this year because he's that, that would have got him in the manager. playoffs last yeah, year. That good of a manager. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, <laughs> Lauren, it's just bash, it's just we're bashing on Chicago teams all day here on the Burns and Gambo show, Lauren. You better get used to it. When we come back in what we think is his first interview as a member of the Phoenix Suns, maybe he's meeting with a couple of the beat guys right now in Dallas as we speak. We get to check in with the newest member of the Suns. Thaddeus Young chose the Suns in the buyout market. We're going to find out why next here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Home of the Suns. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. leader. Coming off the court. You hear it straight from a Suns player. With Burns and Gambo. Brought to you by America Roofing. Arizona's number one roofer online at americaroofingco.com. For a free estimate or 10% off any roof repair. That's americaroofingco.com. Off the court with the Phoenix Suns. Our weekly visit with a member of the Phoenix Suns. Saw the video of him uh, reacting to his son's jersey hanging in his locker in his new number. We're expecting that he'll be making his Suns debut very, very soon. He's with the team right now. The newest member of the Suns joins us here on the Burns and Gambo Show. And that is Thaddeus Young joins us here on Arizona Sports, the flagship home of the Suns. Thaddeus, I'm Dave. This is Gambo. Welcome to the show. We appreciate the time and welcome to Phoenix, man. How you doing? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm doing great. Uh, you know, happy, happy to finally get signed and, you know, get with the team so we can start working. Yeah, finally in Phoenix. I mean, I go 2019, 2021, 2014. I mean, I, there's like three or four times. I've been doing this show for 27 years. There's at least four different years where you were tied to coming to the Phoenix Suns, weren't you? Yeah, for sure. Uh, that was the first thing uh, once. I got on the phone with James uh, and Coach. That was the first thing. Like we we said, like finally, like we have a chance. We have a chance to get together and finally, like you know, do work together. So you know, this is this is a great time and a great experience. Uh, you know, I'm, you know, I'm happy to be you know a Phoenix Sun, and I'm just ready to get to work. What do you think was the closest you came to coming to Phoenix in previous years? Were you ever very close to coming here? Uh yeah, I mean there was a a, a long time ago uh, with the Sixers. Um, I was close to uh, coming to being traded to Phoenix uh, between Phoenix and Houston. Uh, those trades fell through at the deadline, and then um, um, most recently was with uh, was with the San Antonio Spurs. Right before I went, um, you know, I was traded to Toronto. Um, they were talking to. San Antonio to try to get a trade going for uh, Dario Sarge. Uh, I want to say like Langston Galloway and um, 
and maybe one other player or something like that. Sticks, I think, uh, Sticks from uh, yeah, Indiana. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, remember that as well. Thaddeus Young, our guest here on the Bernstein Gambo Show. He's in Dallas with the team as they get ready to take on the Mavs. You chose the Phoenix Suns in the buyout market. You chose to come to this team. Tell our audience why. Uh, tell our audience what was it about the Suns situation that appealed to you. Uh, why did you choose Phoenix? Uh, simply because um, I felt like it was the best fit, you know, for me to come in and, um, you know, not not only just play, but, you know, help uh, with mentoring young guys as well, because, you know, we have a lot of young guys on the bench that's going to play some big minutes for us, um, as well as uh, coming and helping the team, you know, when, you know, we've decided to go into that small ball lineup, you know, with, you know, smaller five, which could be me. You know, I have the ability and a certain skill set to be able to come out of those double teams when K is getting double or you have Dev getting doubled or uh, Brad getting double, you know, to be able to make reads and plays out of the double team uh, and, and make the right decisions. Um, and then I think another thing was uh, the defensive versatility that I can bring to the team, um, being a, a small ball five or, you know, going in at that four spot uh, gives us a, another dynamic on the defensive side of the basketball. We kind of look through your – when you agreed to come with the Suns, we looked the, at your stat page, and one thing that kind of jumps off of the page is, is that, and not that it's your responsibility, but a lot of the teams that you have been on haven't enjoyed deep runs in the playoffs or, or a ton of success. Was that a factor, knowing that you were joining a team that would, that at least had the potential to make a big run come April and May? Yeah, for sure. Definitely, um, you know, uh, a big factor. You know, um, you know, being in you know, the time I've been in the league and, and going with a team that has, a, you know, some veteran experience with a lot of, of firepower, but a team that I can complement very well to where, you know, um, I'm, I can go out there and, you know, be able to, you know, um, you know help, you know, do the job to get, get wins as well as, you know, potentially get help get us to the championship. What do you think about small ball five in the NBA today? How efficient is it? Can it work against just about everybody? Or can, is it just better suited for limited times? Uh, I think it's, uh, I mean, you've seen teams in the past, um, you know, go small ball five and make it to, and make it to the championship and then, um, and make it to the conference finals. Uh, you know, I think that's the, the, the thing that's going to, um, be a determinant factor now, um, with teams because, you know, you, you start playing that small ball five. Now teams are playing faster against, you know, teams with bigger fives. Um, and the game doesn't slow down. It only gets faster. So now you force, force teams to kind of match up with you as opposed to you having to match up to the other team. Uh, so, you know, I, I think it does uh, play a big role and a big factor in getting wins and helping teams get past certain teams in certain rounds. 2007 NBA draft. Man, that was a long time ago. Kevin Durant, Al Horford, Mike Conley, Jeff Green, so many guys like yourself still playing. You get to match up and play with Kevin Durant, who is also, you know, of course, in that draft class. What's it going to be like for you to play with KD? Uh, it's gonna be great. Um, you know, um, you know, we're very familiar with each other just from like, you know, our high school class. We were McDonald's All Americans together, Hoop Summit game together. Um, you know, um we uh we also were uh, Jordan game MVPs together. So, 
Uh, we're very familiar with each other. We've had a, a long withstanding relationship, you know, a friendship that has went, you know, 20 or so years. So, you know, for us, you know, I, I think it's, it's always going to be great. You know, it's always great when you can get guys who are familiar and comfortable with each other. But, um, you know, I've, you know, known EG for a while. I've known Dale for a while, you know. So, you know, just knowing these guys, knowing Brad for a while. And then we all have AAU programs as well. So we see each other in the summer, you know, when we're with our AAU programs and moving around with those guys. So, um, you know, just being, you know, in the mix with those guys for, for previous years and, you know, now we get a chance to play play with each other on the same team. It's huge. Thaddeus Young, our guest here for a couple more moments on the Burns and Gambo show. Um, in terms of an expectation from you about the team that you just joined, do you, do you have an expectation on how many minutes a night you'll get? Have you been told how many minutes you'll get a night? Does that not matter that much to you? Where, where do you where do you fall when it comes to what your expectations are of what they think in terms of how often you're going to play? Honestly, for me, um, you know, I, I told Frank this and I told James this, like, you know, I'm a, a whatever it takes type guy. So, you know, whatever it takes, you know, if, it, if it's nights where I'm not playing, hey, so be it. I'll figure out other ways to, you know, stay engaged with the game and help guys, uh, young guys on the bench and stuff stay engaged in the game. Um, you know, if, uh, if it's nights where I'm playing, I'm going to give you my all 100% and I'm going to do whatever it takes to help us get that win. So, you know, I'm, I'm a whatever it takes type guy. You know, um, you know, I've... You know, seen a lot of basketball, played a lot of basketball. You know, it's probably two guy, only two guys on the roster <laughs> that's played over a thousand basketball games, and that's probably me and KD. So, you know, like I said, I've seen a lot. You know, and I understand. You know, uh, what the role is and, and what's needed at certain points and times. And you know, um, you know, they're they're giving me you know free will to be able to speak to guys and talk to guys and coach guys up, but also uh, when I'm in the game to be able to you know uh, tell them and give them my thoughts on what I see. I'm fascinated by that answer. As an older player, I can see how that works for you. A lot of the younger players, when you're when you're bought out, you want to guarantee. You want I want to know I'm going to play 20 minutes a game. I want, I'm worried about my next contract. I I can't come here and sit the bench. I need to know that I'm going to get 15, 20 minutes a game and be a part of it. It's a little bit different for you, then, huh? Yeah, I mean, for me, I've always been a guy that um, you know puts in the time and the work and the effort, and just like trust my trust the work that I put into my craft. Um, as long as I keep that faith and that trust in, in my craft, then things uh, things will pan itself out. Um, you know, for me, it's it's just a matter of just continuously you know being ready at all all times and whatever time is given for me to go out there and have the opportunity, just seize the moment and take advantage of it. Well, we were joking about this with Eric Gordon when he joined us uh, a little bit ago about how it, it to, to Gambo's point, it does seem like we've been talking about him joining the Suns for forever. It seems like we've been talking about you joining the Suns for a long, long time, Thaddeus. So welcome to the team. Uh, welcome to town. Uh, good luck to you guys tomorrow against the Dallas Mavericks. We really appreciate your time today, okay? No problem. Thank you. Thanks, Thaddeus. Yeah, Thaddeus Young joining us here. A great conversation. On the Arizona Sports Line. Yeah, that was. And Almost traded for Dario Sarge, Langston Galloway, and Jalen Smith. He just basically spelled it out. <laughs> he did. Yeah, he pretty much did. He pretty much did. But no guarantee of minutes. No, I need to play X number of minutes a, a, a night from Thaddeus Young. And I don't know if I, I expected him to say that there would have been, but it's pretty obvious that there might be some nights he doesn't play and he's cool with that. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show after that good conversation with Thaddeus Young, Frank Vogel, not that he had to, because Kevin Durant, I think, kind of diffused it, but Frank Vogel came to the defense of those who say that his star player isn't a leader. You'll hear what he had to say. Keep it right here on the Burns and Gambo show. 
Coyotes versus the Leafs. Pre-game tonight at 7.30 on Arizona Sports 98.7 and the Arizona Sports app. Back here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Again, I want to thank the Suns and Thaddeus Young for coming on for a few minutes. It is funny and refreshing to hear a player so honestly talk so openly about the times that he was almost traded to a team, including naming names, right? Like, yeah, in 2021, yeah. it was going to be Dario. It was going to be Sticks. It was going to be Langston Galloway for me. But it did It's like, oh, tell us how you really feel, Thad. Okay, appreciate that, right? Wow. Like, yeah, just, just the complete honesty. It was great. It was it was fun to hear, and it was kind of refreshing to hear. Um so, again, we thank the Suns for Thad Young for him coming on. Charles Barkley, the comments that he made over the weekend at the All-Star Game uh, about Kevin Durant and his leadership in particular uh, got a lot of attention on this show and others yesterday. I'll play this reminder for you. He wanted to be KD, but he's not doing it. To me, it's got to be Booker. He's got to be your, your mental leader and your vocal leader to a certain degree. No disrespect to Kevin. Kevin's a follower. He's not a leader. He's proven that on all his stops. Booker's a hell of a player also. I think he's going to have to take the initiative and take this team to the next level because, man, Kevin's a hell of a player. I never going to say anything bad about him, but I'm saying the same thing with Boston. One of you guys has to step forward. He has to step forward. And for me, for Phoenix to be successful, it has to be Booker. Frank Vogel, this morning on Newsmakers with Bickley Murata, responded. Well, he definitely leads, leads by example, uh, but he also speaks up when he needs to. You know, uh, not every player is going to be a rah-rah type and, um, you, know, uh, you know, to be that, that type of, of, of guy. But, you know, every, uh, every player leads in their own way. You have to lead within your personality. You know, like I learned that as a coach a long time ago that you know, I can't come in and, and try to be uh, Rick Pitino as much as he inspired me to get into coaching. Our, our personalities are different. I have to coach within my personality. Mm-hmm. And I think everybody has to, you know, from a player standpoint, uh, has, has to lead that way within their personality. And I think KB does a great job of doing that. You know, something to be said about uh, a lot of people really love that show, Shaq, Barkley and Kenny. Mm-hmm. Those guys are all very successful in their NBA careers around the game. And so I think there's a level of respect that you certainly have for them, having played the game at the highest level, the success that they had, and somewhat being in tune with what's going on. But they don't know everything. They're not in these locker rooms. They're not with these teams. They're mm-hmm. not in the you know the the locker room. They're not there after the games. And that's what Durant was talking about. You know, in his boardroom thing, like you know, um, he, he, the stories and everything. He wants people talking about him. Kevin, like Kevin Durant, being knocked for his leadership on you know from guys who you know played the game maybe hurts him a little bit more than what happens from you know me and you or somebody else mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I try to talk to many people as I can who have played with KD or coached with KD before I comment I don't ever like to comment about a guy unless I've you know I've kind of vetted him myself and I've checked with GMs and coaches and players to see well hey what do you think about this guy I think I totally agree with Frank Vogel. I mean, you, you don't have to be this outspoken vocal leader to have an impact on your team. No. No, and Kevin Durant, and we played this sound yesterday. Lauren was able to pluck this from the, the, the boardroom, which was this hour-long conversation that Kevin Durant had, um, on on being overlooked as a leader. And here's what he said then. I, I think he said this before Charles Barkley's comments came to light, but I think they apply here. I'm, just, I'm not as charismatic as my peers. I don't have a personality. 
personality that's like fit for TV, like my peers. And a lot of those stories of what we talk about don't get spoken about in the media. And that's just really what it is. It's like, you got to sell what you're doing as well. And I haven't sold it enough, you know? And I feel like, I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't feel like I need to. I don't feel like I want people to call me a leader, but I also don't want people to say I'm not one either. More specifically, and I'm just looking at this tweet from Dwayne Rankin, who again, follows the team on the road, covers the team for AZ Central. Uh, This quote from Kevin Durant, quote, it's just a part of TV. They needed something to fill a segment up, so they talk about some negative bleep. But if you're not in the gym, I don't respect your opinion if you're not in the gym with me. Yeah. Close quote. Yeah, and that's that's what I'm saying. Like, those guys have a level of respect from the people watching them because of how the, the the level they played at, the success they had. But they don't know. No. Like yeah. they don't. Now, can they talk? Should they can talk to people? They can talk to coaches, GMs. Tell me about and maybe maybe that's how they're doing it because there is a there is a way to find out more about Kevin Durant if you're not you know if you're Charles Barkley you're not in the room. You talk to people that are in the room. Sure, sure, you sure. You talk to GMs. You talk to coaches. You talk to players. You talk to ex teammates, and you get a feel for Kevin. I like what Kevin said though. Like, I don't want to be considered a leader, but I also don't want to. I don't. I also don't want to be considered, be considered not a leader. Right, right. So yeah, what my, do you want? <laughs> yeah, well, well, it's, it's, I, but, but I, get, I get what he's saying. We, we did talk about this a little bit yesterday. I, I think his kind of lower key person, somebody sent me a tweet, and, and I, I'm probably going to botch it, but I, I thought he's an alpha basketball player with a beta mentality, right? Like he's not like a total alpha male kind of guy where he's going to have that personality where he's going to yell and scream and lead out loud. But I think he sits down with Bull Bull and he shows him plays on an iPad. I think he's leading. When he plays defense hard enough against some of the top players in the NBA, I, I think he's leading. And I think when Frank Vogel, you know, pats him on the back publicly for playing defense as well as he had the last couple of weeks. That's basically Frank Vogel telling the other guys on the team, play like him. Be like Kevin Durant. Look at what he's doing for us every night. Be like him. Not everybody who is a leader is going to lead out loud like I think Charles is talking about. And look, I don't know who Charles is talking about. Everyone's entitled to their opinion and things like that. But it's I think those of us who watch this team every single day and you know those of us who cover this team every single day, it's not like Kevin Durant is just showing up, not saying a word to anybody, playing basketball and leaving. He does way more than that in that locker room. It's just leadership is different to different people. And I think Vogel's saying that and KD's saying that and that's what Barkley's not understanding but, here. But what situation. they are saying is that this team doesn't have that alpha male leader. Now the question could be, okay, if they're right, which you know, can they? Is it, can is they, it not Booker? Do we? Do we think? Oh, I don't think I don't think Booker's you know, an alpha male know, leader. No, you don't think so? No, no, I don't think so. That's something I'd like to get to the bottom of a little bit more. I'd, I'd like to know because Chris was Chris. We talked about this yesterday. Chris absolutely was an alpha male leader on that yeah. team. If it's not Booker, then you might be right. I don't know if they have one, but do you I, need one? The question will be, do you need one? Yeah. And we'll find that out. If they, if the Suns don't get where they want to go this season, I'll be curious to see how much of that is brought up, how much of them not having a true point guard is brought up, right? Like, are the two basically the same thing? Is a point guard 
by default an alpha male leader in the locker room. I mean, by the position that he plays, it's kind of like being usually, a quarterback in the usually. NFL, yeah. right? Like, usually it is. Maybe that's something they address in the offseason if they feel like they didn't get where they want to go, if they feel like they need to bring and that listen, in. He also brought up the Celtics with two great players in Brown and Tatum saying kind of like they don't have that alpha male leader as well. So, you know, if the Celtics don't win a championship, is that going to come back to bite them? Yeah. Well, we uh, we want to remind everybody we've got the Burns and Gambo Show podcast. It works uh, like all favorite podcasts that you love to listen to. You can listen to us uh, on your schedule, not on ours. Whenever you want, wherever you want. Subscribe right now on your iPhone or your Android, and you'll never miss any of our show. It's the Burns and Gambo Show podcast, and it's brought to you this week by your Valley Chevy dealers. When we come back, the second half of the NBA season starts. It's not just the Suns we're going to keep our eye on. We got a lot to pay attention to around the West, and we'll tell you what we'll be keeping our eye on next on the Burns and Gambo Show. The Burns and Gambo Need to Know Social Poll Update. Presented by Sanderson Ford. All right, Lauren, who's doing a magnificent job on the other side of class because she's a one-person operation in there. Normally there's two, but Mitch called in sick today. So Lauren is holding down the fort on her own. Bravo. Well done. She's going to call you Wally Pep. <laughs> some, some, somewhere Mitch just went, oh, no. Oh, no. Ah, uh, no. Lauren's shaking her head. There's no Wally Pip going on here. Mitch, we wish you a speedy recovery. We do, Mitch. We get better. Back. So get better soon. We don't want you bringing that crap in here. We don't. Nobody nobody mm. does. Nobody does. Uh, all right. You got a poll question for us? What you got for us, Lauren? All right, we've had some movement on this poll question since oh. the last time we oh, checked oh, in. People have wised up. People have gotten, oh, okay. Well, you well know? this one got the Gambo retweet. I did retweet it. Oh. So it probably added, like, what, 3,000 votes in the last hour? It added a considerable amount. <laughs> it yeah. never fails. No. Nope. It never fails. You, I, I have 90,000 people I, I, that follow I, I me on Twitter. It, but, man, you retweeted, and all 90, of a sudden, it's just, it's just we, get, we get votes all of a sudden. I, so. I, I have, uh, like, there's people in Japan, China, Australia, New Zealand. I have a lot of, like, NBA fans all over the country. Not of, all, over, all over the world. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Japan, Australia, yeah. <laughs> people all Italy, over the there's, a, there's a Brazil. I have a Suns Brazil face. Uh, I have like Suns fans all over the world that follow my Twitter account. All right. So with the Gambo retweet, what's the question? What are the results now? All right. The question is, who do you think will be the Suns center in crunch time for the playoff? DeAndre. Oh, I'm sorry. No, it won't be DeAndre. Aiden. <laughs> uh, it'll be Kevin Durant. <laughs> If I were to, I mean, it's going to depend on the matchup, but I think you're going to see a lot more of that small ball come postseason time. DeAndre, I mean, um, Kevin Durant. <laughs> Kevin Durant over Nurkic with Thaddeus Young. All right, 50% going with Nurkic, 39% going with Durant, and 11% going for Young. So Nurkic's numbers have dropped. His numbers Kevin have Durant's dropped, have come yes. up, but he's still the he's still he's the leader of the, the poll leader. right now. Okay, he's still the leader of the poll. All right, that's the poll question. You can find it on our X page at Burns and Gambo. One word is where you can find that here on the Burns and Gambo show. Uh, as we've been talking about for a lot of the day, the uh, post All Star break portion of the schedule begins tomorrow around the NBA, and uh, for the Suns, it's no different than taking on the Dallas Mavericks in what is a very very important game uh, in terms of the tiebreaker for them. I believe Tomorrow's winner wins the tiebreaker between oh, okay. the Suns and the Mavs. Okay. So that's that in and of itself is a big deal. Um, 
look, we're going to be focused, hyper focused on the Suns for these final 27 games. There are other stories around the NBA's Western Conference that we kind of need to keep our eye on, both in front of the Suns and behind the Suns in the standing. NBA.com took a look at the 10 biggest questions following the All Star break. Now, the Suns weren't one of the 10, and that's fine. They don't need to make every single list all the time. Um, but one of the among the teams that were mentioned in the article were the LA Clippers and the suggestion that maybe they might pump the brakes a little bit with their guys the closer they get to the playoffs and back off on the minutes they get so as to rest them a little bit. It would make some sense. You know, uh, now you'd love to get home court advantage throughout. Um, if you could do that, but at what expense, right? I mean, do you, if it comes down to the final game of the season, do you do that? Um, now, you are going to get a little bit of rest because of the play-in tournament. You don't immediately start the playoffs because you do have the play-in tournament, so yep. you'll yep. get a few days there. I don't know. We'll be interested to see how the Clippers play this because if they have the chance for the number one seed, it's hard not to go for that. It's hard not to go for it, but you also, given your guys and kind of their age and their history and how how many times you've been burned by guys not being available before, especially with Kawhi and PG-13, I can understand why there might be, hey, should we be cautious about this? So that's something worth keeping an eye on. Behind the Phoenix Suns, and I get it, I get it, it's to the biggest stars in the game, to the most popular teams in the game. There's a lot of conversation about the L.A. Lakers and the Golden State Warriors and what they're going to be able to accomplish over these last couple of well, months. There's a, a lot. Of, lot. There's a lot of people that think that they'll probably play, play each other in a play-in tournament, that that's what could happen. Look at the standings and, and look at the schedule. Now, Golden State's starting to come on like gangbusters, right? You know, with the Kaminga playing so well and P- Podzinski, they, they've gone younger. Peyton, like, you know, all of a sudden they're getting a lot of help. Clay Thompson went to the bench, mm-hmm. for goodness sakes. Clay Thompson went to the bench. Steph's going to be all pumped up. After beating Sabrina in the three-point contest, <laughs> no, it does seem like the Warriors have kind of figured it out. They're playing much. You know, we talked about this when they beat the uh, when they played the Suns and they beat them. Um, just how much how much better defensively they've gotten, and especially with Draymond coming back. Right now, if the season ended today, the Lakers would play the Warriors in the play-in tournament, and the loser mm. is out. Man, the loser is out. So it'd be LeBron versus Steph, and the loser is out. Now, Lakers versus Warriors, and the loser is out. Now, I don't know if that's gonna. I, I think if it's gonna stick, and maybe you agree with this, maybe you don't. I think the Lakers are the team more likely to stay at the bottom of that, and the Warriors are the team more likely to ascend out of the nine or the ten spot in the West. I just think the Lakers are. They're they're old. They're 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 an older team that I think is going to run out of gas. Where I do think the Warriors, I think there's actually something to how they've hit kind of their second level here and how they've hit their they stride figured, and got their second win. They right? definitely figured out how to incorporate the younger. Pl- Kaminga's been great for them. Kaminga's just been great. So I would agree with you that if somebody's going to take a step up, it would be Golden State. Now everyone else is trying to figure out. Okay, who's who's going to fall? And one of the team, and I know it's a team that you're not impressed with because we've seen the. Sun play, you know, well against them the last couple of times is the Sacramento Kings. And not that they would fall out of the play in tournament, but as a team that that might leave a lot of people disappointed given how, you know, how great of a story they were last year and how they're not exactly poised to follow that up this year. Some people are looking at them as a team that might be doomed to get into that play in tournament, not do very well when they do. There's they're a fascinating team because they're so fun to watch offensively. 
with the guys that they've got. Like, it is fun to watch De'Aaron Fox and Malik Monk play and Sabonis with the handoff basketball. Like, they're a fun team to re- they're really a fun team to watch, and they're terrific offensively. But man, we've seen a meltdown against the Suns in fourth quarters. We just last year they were the three seed, I believe, and I they right. fall and like they're not anywhere. Cl- so they didn't make any. They didn't make that big leap this year. Could they win a couple of games against somebody in a playoff series? Of course, because of all that offensive firepower. But there's something missing with that team. I like Sabonis, but the problem is he's got stubby arms. He's 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 got stubby arms. He's not that big, so he. Plays a really good role for them, but it does hurt them a little bit because they don't have like prototypical center size. And then, of course, the Dallas Mavericks, the team that the Suns are playing tomorrow. Team to watch. I think that they got better. I think the additions of P.J. Washington and Gafford give them a lot of size that they didn't have. They were very backcourt dominant with Luka and Kyrie, and now I think that they have a little more up front. You know, when they were good and they beat the Suns, you were talking about Dorian Finney-Smith being a big part of what they did and Maxi Kleber being a big part of what they did. I think those additions, Gafford's big. You know, we'll watch it tomorrow. And P.J. Washington, that gives them some size and toughness that they they lack. NASCAR returns to Phoenix. Phoenix Raceway, March 9th through the 11th for the Shriners Children's 500. Get ready for a thrilling experience as NASCAR heads west as drivers like Kyle Larson and Chase Elliott take on the Desert Jewel. For your chance to experience this, head to the contest page at ArizonaSports.com for your chance to win tickets. When we come back, we have seen the ascension of Devin Booker and how he's thought of nationally. Is Corbin Carroll poised to do exactly the same thing for the Arizona Diamondbacks? Or is there only so far he can go? We'll talk about that coming up here on Arizona Sports.